Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Dolting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner. Definitely excited to be back with you. I know I got a little bit off my normal recording schedule there over the last couple weeks, but definitely stoked to bring you today's episode, which, as you could have guessed by the title, is going to be focused around home buying. So this is this is really an important kind of lifelong topic to talk about in terms of building overall wealth and it's just uh it's just something that comes up as kind of an expectation i think in in a lot of walks of life of that you know okay you know one of the the biggest goal in life should be to to own a home right that's something that people really emphasize so it's nice in theory right it's nice to talk about you know home ownership and having your own place and be able to do whatever you want with it but there's a lot that goes into it right there's a lot of a lot of benefits and there's some you know some negative elements to it and it just seems like a daunting task right how do you even how do you begin preparing to buy a home how do you approach it what are the things that you look for so thought it would be valuable to to sit down have a conversation today kind of center around that you know twofold approach here talking about specifically why home ownership is important and kind of the benefits that come with it and then kind of the frame of mind and and how you should in general approach or prepare to buy a home so you know naturally on on why home ownership is important is like i said it is it is a key to building wealth over you know the course of your lifetime because it's it allows you to you know build up equity in in a stable in a solid asset and it's also an appreciating asset. So I know I've bashed on cars a ton on the podcast so far here for being a depreciating asset, which means it goes down in value over time. Appreciating assets are the inverse, right? So over time, they should increase in value. You know, of course, it's going to fluctuate. We saw a lot of, of price changes in, you know, kind of the 08, 09 time period as there was a housing crisis. But you know, for the most part, if you look over, you know, a span of decades, homes will generally appreciate in value. So that's definitely a big component. That's why it's one of the, you know, definitely one of the most important financial decisions that you can make. But, you know, it's also, like I said, difficult to figure out how to, how to approach it. How do you even, how do you even get started? Because there's, you know, you have to save for a down payment and the additional costs that come, that come alongside, like actually making the purchase. Um, you have to be able to, you know, ensure that you can continue to afford it, right? So, yeah, maybe you're able to save up enough money. Maybe you scrounge together, you know, gifts, family members, friends help you out with the down payment. That won't do you a whole lot of good if you end up buying into a home that you, you know, six months from now won't have any cash to afford, right? So, planning for down payment, how you're going to continue to afford it, and then how you're effectively budgeting for ongoing maintenance and unexpected expenses that will arise with it. So we're going to go ahead and get into all of that. Let's start with why home ownership is important, right? I think we can all agree that housing is a necessity, right? Um, you know, I think everyone out there, you know, knows that you want to have a roof over your head, ideally. Um, and if, if that's kind of your thought process on it, I mean, I, I, I know there's folks who, you know, kind of live out of out of vans you know that's i'm just going to kind of ignore that segment and focus more on kind of the vast majority of folks who you know are either renting or or purchasing their own kind of housing situation so because it's a necessity in that regard um you know it's important to figure out how can you use it to your advantage right because housing is expensive 
realistically, it's it's going to be your it should be your largest um, monthly expense, right? Or just expense in general. Of course, you know there's unique kind of side cases. Maybe you inherit a property that's paid off, something like that. That's all great, but for again the vast majority of folks housing is going to be their most expensive line item in their day-to-day -day lives so um the the trap there is you know trying to accumulate enough enough money to you know make that down payment to own a house so in the meantime you know you're you're renting right and the the trap with the with renting is that money gets you nowhere right you you know you cut a check you you make your monthly rent payment and that money's gone, right? It's just out of your account. It's not building up any value for you. Um, really, you're just going to pay for somebody else's, you know, property taxes, their maintenance. You're, you know, putting money into their account, which is fine in the short term. But in the long term, you want to get to a point where you're kind of leveraging home ownership or just, you know, you know, property ownership to your benefit, to where you're building equity up in it. So, um, and when I talk about building equity really what that means is is kind of gaining a monetary your monetary value in a particular asset right so if you say you buy a home for a hundred thousand dollars you put ten thousand down right your equity at that time would be ten thousand because if you were to immediately sell that home you're not getting a hundred thousand you're gonna get your ten thousand back and you're gonna have to pay you know whoever you borrow the other ninety from their money back right so equity is is what your dollar value is in a particular asset so if you think about buying a home right you're almost always going to have a mortgage of some kind and you know you can kind of debate debate that piece like if you're in a position to pay it all off and there's you know low interest rates there's different things you can do um setting that piece aside just you know focus on if you have a mortgage you're making monthly payments which means you are paying a combination of principal and interest. So the difference there is interest is kind of your the expense that gets added on, basically the reward for your lender, right? They, they took a risk, they're giving you money. In return, you're going to pay them some interest um, for the privilege of using their money. So that's the interest side. Principal is paying down your the actual balance. So if you borrowed 100,000 and you pay 2,000 down in back in principal, now you owe 98,000. So principal is going to be the actual loan amount you're paying down. Interest is just you know the expense added on top. So um, your equity will increase as you pay that mortgage down, right? As you pay the principal down, that money that now you know leads to a corresponding increase in equity so take my hundred thousand dollar example you put ten thousand down you know month number one you pay twelve hundred dollars let's and then say two hundred of that was interest a thousand dollars was in principal so now at this point you have eleven thousand dollars of equity in that home your original ten thousand plus a thousand of principal that you paid back so that's the benefit one of the key benefits of home ownership, right, is instead of cutting a monthly rent check that you'll never see again, this is now you're building up that equity, kind of that wealth, storing that in your property, your home. So that's a big plus. And as I mentioned with the intro there, homes are typically an appreciating asset. 
So if you, you know, buy a home, five, 10 years later, you're looking to sell it, it's more likely than not that it will have increased in value over that time, right? So um, if you look at, you know, I don't have any numbers come off the top of my head, but if you just looked at home prices, even in the last 20 years, or really even the last 10, kind of look at when we're, where we bottomed out with the Great Recession and home prices crashing to where we are now, I mean, it's this is probably the hottest market for sure in the last decade or so, but um, really kind of a historically hot market for, for home sales. Um, I think I saw something about the fewest homes currently on the market maybe ever in the U.S. and something that the time for a home to be sold has dropped by two weeks from 80 days to 66 days between kind of the same time in 2019 versus 2020. So it's pretty crazy to see kind of that 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 difference there. But obviously, you know, it's a stark indicator that homes are appreciating in value. They're going up. They're more valuable. And there'll, there'll naturally be some pullback at some point, right? Um, but it underscores the value of, of getting into a home, building up that equity and having that asset kind of in your back pocket. So there's a couple of key you know, aspects or key key bonuses of home ownership, right? So what are some of the downsides? Because I know there's certain folks out there who kind of make competing arguments saying, oh no, it's better to just rent forever. You're, you're better off avoiding the trap of home ownership. There's a lot that goes into it that you can't expect. And I'm not gonna lie, there's there's gonna be some validity to those to those arguments, right? Some. I don't think they're the dominant school of thought. I don't think that they are, you know, arguments that would warrant you like kind of you electing to go down that path. But again, everybody, you know, kind of makes their own personal decision there. But really some of the you know, some of the big downsides of home ownership is you're you're going to be paying property taxes no doubt about that and you know unless you're paying for a house in all cash you're going to be paying you know interest on top of your mortgage there right so that's that's one of the most common things i hear is folks say well i don't want to pay for property taxes i don't want to you know i don't want to have a mortgage over my head right but when you think about renting what do you think your rent money goes toward right so if that's the biggest expense of owning property, why would rent money not go that go towards that too, right? You as the renter are basically subsidizing the 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 property for the owner, right? And realistically they're they're making money and hopefully they are making money, right? That's an important kind of bedrock of our society is that you're able to make money from rental properties. But think about it this way. The most likely scenario is that you know, if you're in a home, you know, take that, take the hundred thousand dollar example I gave, and maybe you're, you know, let's just say you're paying, you know, twelve hundred bucks a month, which isn't a realistic scenario, but let's just say that that's what it would cost if you owned it, right? Twelve hundred bucks a month. If you're renting that home, you might be paying, say, you're paying fourteen hundred, right? So at that point, you're paying all of the property tax and the mortgage payment for the owner plus some and they're getting the benefit of you know building equity up in that property kind of at your expense right 
and again, nothing's nothing is wrong with renting in the short term. Like clearly, there's there's a period in life where you know similar to where I'm at right now, right? Where you're starting out, you're making money. You're not gonna have you know fifty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in the bank to go put down on a house. That's just not not feasible. So in the short term, it makes sense to rent and kind of save up, get to that point where you can buy a home. But just don't fall into that trap of thinking that. Uh, that renting is is really saving you money in the long run, right? Because if you rent your whole life, you know, say if you're paying a thousand bucks a month, that's twelve thousand a year. So if you rent for for thirty years, right, that's three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. When you get to the end of year thirty, what value did that three hundred sixty thousand get you? Zero. So you kept a house, so you kept a roof over your head for 30 years, but you've now spent $360,000 and have nothing left. Meanwhile, if you were in a house and were doing that same exact thing, you would now have $360,000 of equity. So if you sold your house, you now have $360,000 in cash, right? So that's that's the key difference there. Um, you know, another downside I hear about with with home ownership is maintenance and certainly no way around this if you own a home like you are on the hook for for maintenance something that you know like i saw growing up you have an ac unit break maybe you have a pool in the backyard and then the pump goes out pipes freeze and break um i'm originally from texas and the classic thing out there is foundation issues because the because it's uh there's a bunch of yeah there's what they call just texas clay and it's very malleable so it shifts a lot um so then you have to literally water your foundation so it stays like somewhat flexible otherwise the concrete will literally crack and then it's exposed the underside of your house is at risk and of course you know if your foundation cracks you're probably gonna see walls that crack right so if you're if you're if you own a home like you know those are the things you have to worry about right but it's it's kind of like the renting you know paying rent that I was just talking about with how it covers property tax and interest like yeah you don't have to worry about massive repairs but at the same time you know if they're paying a maintenance guy to come by and fix things then you know that some portion of the rent that you're paying is going towards paying that maintenance person so again yes you're not directly paying the cost but indirectly you're still recovering it um, there are some you know additional expenses that will come in that are that are more home ownership specific you might see something like you know homeowners associations usually there's some kind of monthly monthly charge um, or like an annual amount that you have to pay in it kind of goes towards just like keeping the community looking nice things like that um, you know landscaping or just maintenance of like the property you know the land itself and then you're probably going to own by home insurance so those are things that are more exclusive to the home ownership side of things but you know we just talked about it over the last few minutes like clearly there's the benefits are going to outweigh the the negatives there for owning versus renting so now that i've got you convinced that you need to go out and buy a house tomorrow so you stop wasting your money on rent <laughs> it's yeah how do you how do you even approach that because you know like i said you might be in my situation where you're kind of staring down the barrel of well how you know how am i going to accumulate 150 grand in cash to go put down on a house is that is that even possible and it is 
it, it definitely is but this is it's similar to investing right this is a this is a you have to play the long game a bit here and have to have a well-defined plan it's it's something that doesn't happen by accident right like you you don't have just you don't accidentally stumble into you know six figures in savings it takes it takes a deliberate effort and sacrifice right to get there so that's what you have to understand out of the gate right is you need to know what's needed and what kind of timeline you're operating on right so traditionally when it comes to home purchases the recommended amount is to be able to put 20% down so if you want to buy a $500,000 house then you're gonna need a hundred thousand down the nice thing about putting 20% down is you know it's gonna minimize your your interest right you'll get a better interest rate if you're able to put more cash down and it it makes you much more competitive in terms of you know making your offer and yeah more cash isn't necessarily a bad thing right again it kind of goes back to the the piece i touched on about you know interest rates being low how do you want to approach that i think that's that's conversation you know best left to kind of like you and your partner and your you know the folks realtor you know um Kind of loan officer anything like that kind of more your personal comfort level um, but in terms of cash that you're going to need i would target you know 20 percent down plus expenses right so there's probably if you need a hundred thousand down realistically you'll probably want to you know have another eight or ten thousand available on top of that just for some of the miscellaneous expenses that go along with just the purchase itself and you know, at the same time, you're still going to want to make sure you have cash on hand for emergencies, right? You don't want to be dead broke after you buy your house. You have to make sure that you can continue affording it after the fact. Some other things to consider, you know, particularly related to your timeline and the anticipated changes in life, right? So if you, you know, if you're 10 years away, maybe you're in high school right now and you could be 10 plus years away from buying a house, like, that's great. Doesn't mean you can't start today and just create a separate bank account, put some money away and just routinely do that and never even think about it. Um, you know, if you're looking at maybe trying to buy a home in a year or two, you might want to think about how your money's allocated, right? If you've got it all, you know, if you've been doing well in the stock market and you think, well, you know, I want to, I want it to grow by this much. And then a year from now, I, I'm going to be able, I want to pull that out and use it as my down payment. If that's your timeline, you might not want that much risk, right? Because what the stock market drops 20%. And now you're set back three years in terms of buying a house. So it's good to strike a balance there. Find a way where you're able to, to kind of achieve your timeline, reach your goals, but also minimize your risk, right? That's kind of the name of the game with anything in the financial space. But, um, you know, when looking at homes, of course, there's important things like those life changes. So if you're going to start having kids, you know, maybe make sure you have, you know, the bedrooms, the space to, to you know, to have them essentially right and then things like location school districts it's really whatever kind of stage in life you're at like those those components will change it's just, it's good to have those kind of in writing those are planned out sketched out before you start looking at homes just so you have kind of the right idea you know what's needed what's kind of your target range how much are you willing to spend where do you want to be what are the things that are important to you all that detail is um, it's something that you can start, you know, even if you don't have any money, like you're not even close, like might as well start planning out, right? Say, well, you know, if I want to, if I'm going to buy a house in, in seven years and I'm going to need 
hundred thousand dollars down well then that means you know i've got to save you know x amount each month each week each year to to get there so always good to be thinking there so once you have a general plan in place the the next stage is kind of what i've already been talking about right is building up down payment so you know if you know you you want a five hundred thousand dollar place or a million dollar place five million dollar place whatever it might be you know start or just understand how much money you're gonna need down so again you want to peg 20 percent plus you know probably um, I'd say like another 10% of your down payment so if your down payment is a hundred thousand probably safe to then budget another ten thousand dollars on top for for miscellaneous expenses one thing I heard from a from another person who was talking about this too recently was establishing a second bank account or a separate bank account specifically for this and, and their trick was you know they talked about kind of the psychology behind it a bit but there was there's a lot of subconscious and conscious value in having kind of a you know having a goal clearly labeled and, and segmented out right so if you had a bank account you direct deposit 200 bucks a week into it and it's you know labeled as you know future future dream home right you can see that grow and tangibly kind of track how you're progressing along and that's motivating because you're seeing that progress and it's going to you know, encourage you to kind of stick to it right that you don't want to you know how much harder how much harder would it be if you're trying to save it for home and there's you know you want to go on this really nice trip right and the only way to do it would be to go into your bank account for your home purchase and pull money from it that's a lot tougher than if you're just like, oh, well, I've got in my checking account and my savings account, like we're good, I'll pull it, you know, we'll, we'll be good to go, right? So that's why I think it's really valuable. Have that separated out and take advantage of just budgeting and direct deposit, right? That's the nice thing, like, like for me, you know, I contribute into my company's 401k plan. And honestly, I forget that money even exists. I can't remember the last time I signed in to, to look at it. I don't... I don't even consider it my paycheck. It's it's technically my money, right? But because it's just set to direct deposit, it's automatic. I don't even have to think about it. And I know that in the long run, like that'll be beneficial to me. And it's kind of the same thing in the scenario here too with the home purchase. So recommend separate bank account, direct deposit it. You know, as you get closer to actually making the purchase, I think it's important to to kind of research the area you're looking at and understand the interest rates, right? So, like I said, market is you know, red hot right now. So if you're looking to buy a home, just know that there's a lot of competition. You're probably gonna need more cash down. You know, there's certain areas that are in higher demand than others. Uh, but overall, across the board, like just home ownership is has been has skyrocketed just because people are realizing, you know, during COVID, it's like, hey me being in an apartment is not fun like I need more space than that so it's good to know that like and because that'll open up the door to opportunities right there's you know folks that, that had the cash on hand in 08 and 09 and we're buying house at you know dumpster fire prices like I mean see it kind of where where I'm located home prices have almost doubled in in just that time frame which is crazy but that's what being opportunistic is so Another nugget from that presentation that I watched recently was you know, the guy's emphasis was have cash when others don't, right? Because right now, a lot of you know middle to upper class folks 
have a lot of cash, even though the pandemic's been crazy and they're able to you know, kind of leverage that into, you know, all cash home offers, things like that. So it makes it more competitive and, and tougher to get in. But when you're doing your research, you're definitely going to want to surround yourself with the right team too, right? So you want a good realtor, you want, you know, a good broker, loan officer, whoever you're talking to on the lending side of things, you're going to want, that's an area where, you know, it, it pays to, you know, it pays to have good quality folks. So there's things where there's things that you can, you know, bypass, but having qualified people around you could save you a lot of money in the long term. Like if you have, you know, a broker who's able to save you a quarter percent interest, like that could easily be worth paying them, you know, another uh, 20% more than the another, another broker would be, right? So definitely things to consider. I think the biggest one when it comes to actually evaluating homes is to take the emotion out of it, right? It's very easy to get sentimental. You know, you go, you show up to a place, you're like, oh man, it, it feels like home. This is just, this is the place, right? But now it's 20% over your budget. So now you're going to be stretched. Now your down payment gets watered down. So instead of putting 20% down, you're putting 15%, you're paying higher interest. There's a lot of things that, you know, not a lot of negative pieces that come into it there. So my encouragement to you would be when you're evaluating homes, stay as objective as possible. Of course, you want it to feel like home. You want to be comfortable there. You know, you want it to be in a good spot. At the same time, don't compromise yourself or kind of your your planning because, you know, you devised a plan for a reason. You you knew what you could handle and what you, you know, the resources you had available to you, and that's what made the bedrock of the plan. So to completely throw that out the window would only be detrimental to you. So definitely take the take the emotion out of it, and I'd recommend leaning on friends and family to, to hold you accountable. And... You all know your your friends and family the best, so, but in this scenario, go to somebody who you know is not afraid to have a tough conversation with you. I think, like I could easily point to people in my life who I'm like, if you know, if I ask them to hold me accountable, they're going to be a cheerleader squad. So as soon as I say, hey, like, yeah, you know, I was thinking about you know five hundred thousand dollar house, but we just found this other place. It's got you know, really pretty crown molding, and it's in a good spot. But it's six twenty five. What do you think I should do? And they would go, Oh well, if you feel like that's the right place for you, then you should do it. Sorry, but that's garbage. <laughs> that's not accountability. I what I'm talking about is having somebody who's like, kind of you know, gets your head out and says, Look. You budgeted for 500. You're in a good spot to handle and afford 500. Yes, I understand there's aspects of the $625,000 home that really appeal to you and it, it seems right, but from an objective perspective, it's not right for you. And you just need somebody who's going to give you that reality check. So know who those resources are in your life and definitely lean on them as you're looking to make that kind of purchase. So what are the key things to remember as you're you know, crafting your home buying plan and kind of actually looking to execute on a purchase? Like I talked about a minute ago, spend on the right things, right? It's worth it to have qualified people around you um, to do all the due diligence, of course, all the walkthroughs, the appraisal, 
um, all the research that goes into finding, you know, whatever the right kind of lending situation would be. Um, just don't shortcut the important things that'll haunt you later. Um, you know, I think, and that also applies to the home too, right? You know, you definitely, yes, homes are generally appreciating in value, but take into account what's happening in the kind of the local area, the local market, you know, is it, um, is it, is it growing? Are there a lot of jobs there? Is it a robust, is it a thriving area or is it going the wrong way? Are you potentially buying at the, at the peak of an area that 10 years from now is going to be pretty desolate? So those are things to evaluate. Um, same with like fixer uppers, you know, there might be a potential opportunity where you could buy, you know, home that's pretty beat up and get it, you know, $200,000 off the market value. And sure, it might take $100,000 in fixing it up and repairing it and, you know, in time and sweat equity and all those things. But at the end of the day, if it takes you time and a hundred grand and you can take advantage of that $200,000 difference there, you're, you're already coming out ahead, out of the gate. So that's personally something I've been thinking about a lot more is uh, you know, kind of the fixer upper route. But um, other thing to maximize, like I said, is to, is to, or the other key to remember is to maximize your, your down payment, right? Go for that 20%. If you can put more down, great. Keep interest rates low and also just make your, your offer to buy the home um, more appealing to the sellers. Uh, last thing is definitely do your contingency planning. Right. And this is contingency planning for both the home purchase and just life scenarios um, outside of kind of that that specific uh, realm. Right. So, again, you don't want to burn all your money. You don't want to be at zero cash after you've completed the transaction. You got to have your emergency fund in place. You got to have reserves. You know, I talked about like 10 percent of your down payment. You know, if you have 10 to 20 percent of that down payment, on the side in cash for reserves, added cost, you know, like maybe there's something that was missed in kind of the walkthrough and now you have a $3,000 expense as soon as you're in the house. Items like that, you know, always good to have more, you know, more cash on the side and just, just plan for the worst case scenario. I definitely talked about that before, but if you plan for, plan for everything to go wrong and you're, you're going to be secure and safe in the worst case scenario, then you have nothing to worry about, right? Because even if worse comes to worse, you say, okay, yes, this isn't going how we expected it. We're not stoked, but we're okay. You don't want to be like, well, I, I planned for the medium case scenario to where like a couple things went wrong, but not that the AC unit was trashed and now we got to spend another 10 grand on that. Well, then you're going to be, you're going to be handcuffed and you're going to be handicapped right away. So don't put yourself in a, in a compromised position there and the last thing i'd say is you know any kind of transaction like this is always a negotiation right so there's always some give and take some back and forth between the buyer and the seller so negotiate with confidence but at the same time you know be willing to walk away because if it's you know a scenario like i was talking about a few minutes ago where you know you found a place that's over budget but you're just you know enamored with it Maybe it makes sense to try to negotiate and get it to a point where it is manageable for you. Um, but if it's not, say that you know your budget was 500, they want 625, 
and they'll only go down to 610, right? Sure, they came down a bit, but that would still be $110,000 over your budget. Is, is saving 15 grand even close in comparison to overspending by 110? No. So negotiate with confidence, but just you know, don't be afraid to walk away. That's really it from me. So my parting thoughts here, you know, just to reiterate, buying a home is a, is a great decision that'll help you build value over the course of your life, right? Instead of putting rent money, you know, basically down the drain, you're at least paying in, you're building equity, and you just you have another asset to your name that will hopefully appreciate value over time. Um, when evaluating, like when planning and evaluating a home purchase, know what you want in terms of, you know, like I said, location, space, um, kind of budget-wise, and also your timeline, right? That'll impact your, your financial decisions on a day-to-day -day basis and ensure that you're kind of tracking towards your goals there. Um, another key piece is to be patient, right? So this isn't, this is something actually I'm really, have been checking myself on lately, you know, particularly when you're looking at like your first time home purchase, right? You just, you know, you, you want to get it done. You want that security. You want to start, you know, building something up, but you know, trying to get over that hurdle of the first purchase is so massive and it, you know, opens up opportunities, opens up kind of the door over the course of your life. Once you're in the first house, then you're probably in pretty good shape to, you know, maintain a house and be, you know, be able to slowly kind of uh, leapfrog into bigger ones down the road. But buying homes is a mammoth decision. So be patient, find the right opportunity in the right place, you know, whatever makes the most sense for your situation. And again, don't be afraid to walk away from bad scenarios. Um, and then final thing I have for you is just keep costs down as much as possible, but pay for the right value. So, so a home that's in good shape or is in, you know, a fixer upper that's, that's repairable and it's not going to be a money pit, um, pay for the right kind of professional folks around you to ensure that you're going to be in a good spot, um, and help save you money on kind of both sides of the transaction. So that's it for me as always appreciate y'all joining me in, joining in with me, um, for another episode of the podcast should be back to my kind of regular weekly schedule here moving forward um, but as always would love if you you know subscribe kind of leave a review follow the podcast would love any feedback any any ideas that you want me to cover any topics like that definitely don't hesitate to reach out just like with advice if there's anything that comes up feel free to reach out to me you know either via the website email me at grant at capital adulting.com um, or you can find me on social media. Otherwise, thank you all again for joining in, and I look forward to touching base with you next week. Until then, take care.